What's up, my fellow lionesses and lions? Welcome to the Project Lioness podcast. We are here to disrupt the mainstream narrative when it comes to health, holism, and human consciousness. We are here to share bold truths about health and life from a female perspective. This episode is brought to you by our team, Inspire Co., where we stand for your health being inspired by choice rather than being inhibited by chance. Thank you for being here and joining in on these raw, real, and powerful conversations. We hope our show brings you inspiration and empowerment to overcome challenges, reclaim your life, and ultimately pursue your mission with power, purpose, and play. Now, let's get into the episode. Hopefully I'm talking loud enough into this. Jess told me to kiss the microphone. I'm really bad at kissing it, but it looks like the green bars and the road thing are going up pretty high. So we'll, we'll say that that's good. I can work on projecting my voice a little bit more too. Yeah. Well, and you know, we're at different points of our cycle, so that's not where you're at. Unless, unless it is, if you like to project while you're bleeding. Not really. What's up everybody? Hello. It's Dr. Mel here. And Dr. Aaron. The doctors are in the house. It's just us today. Not just. We shouldn't minimize our presence, right? It's the doctors in the house today. It's our first time doing one with just I you know, and I. I love it. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to cheers. Mine's like oh. very full. <laughs> we're, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see us with our little mugs because we're bougie. And and it was one of those mor- mornings where I left the house with coffee in mug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It'd be like that sometimes. I know, Michael, <laughs> I gave him, we talked about this at one of our immersions, but I gave him a really great mug that I kind of miss. I get really attached to mugs. Mm-hmm. I have like this thing with ceramics because I used to throw. And he drove from the house to the office when he used to work here with the mug on top of his car with coffee in it. And it made it here. And Are I was you like, serious? yeah, this mug is the fucking OG of <laughs> mugs. Okay. It's just like holding on yeah, tight. I'm I not going anywhere. <laughs> Cause he's, he's broken so many mugs and I'm like, do not break this mug. I will be so mad at you if you break oh this gosh. mug. Cause even though I don't have it, I still feel like I have this attachment. I probably need to go to therapy for mugs. But when I was in high school, my like de-stressing sort of time was to go to like a Marshall's or a TJ Maxx or something or Ross <laughs> yes. even, and just look at their mugs. And then Wait, I would what's Ross. You don't have Ross here? No. I don't know. In Minnesota, maybe, is this like a Washington thing or? It was for sure, yeah, in Washington (laughs) and like the West Coast. I honestly don't even know if it's down in the South. Anyways, but it's basically Someone fact check us (laughs) and see if there's a Ross. (laughs) Anyway. But I have way too many mugs. And then it's like a really great gift too. So now I have like attachment mugs where I'm like, but someone gifted this to me. Can't let it go. I'll keep it forever. Ugh. And now I put plants in some of my mugs. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like that idea because I have yeah. mugs where the handle has broke and I cannot get rid of the mm-hmm. mug. Actually, I was gifted from um, Heidi, my sister-in-law. I was gifted a mug from Heidi and it broke and I was really sad and I can't get rid of it. So maybe I'll put a flower in it. I feel like this is perfect um, alignment for what we're going to talk about, yeah. the birth and death birth and, and re- rebirth. Yes. We're not, the, the podcast episode is not about mugs, y'all, but it definitely has a theme of like something new that you really like and you're in that honeymoon phase about it and then it dies 
and we go through mourning and grieving and oftentimes there's something better on the way. Mm -hmm. So what we are talking about today, the doctors, is the birth, death, and rebirth process. And I I was talking to Ben this morning, um, and when we're recording this, it's like, kind of mid to later May, and he's like, what are you going to talk about today on, like, Project Lina? So I was like, birth, death, and rebirth, you know, because I'm, like, in luteal phase right now and mm-hmm. a little bit more emo. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, like, Jesus Christ? And I was like, no, bro, like, <laughs> not like Jesus Christ. But I guess Jesus is a bro that really embodied that, so. And it's your Jesus here. So you could <laughs> just Jesus lean into that. Here. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so Aaron and I are going to share our birth stories. We're going to talk about birth like from a physical three-dimensional perspective when it comes to mom and baby since y'all know and if you don't know by now we focus a lot on that in the office um you know before getting pregnant the pregnancy process into baby being born fourth trimester which yes there is a fourth trimester it's when the mom gives birth and her body is like reshaping itself so we're going to talk about birth and death and rebirth from a physical perspective as well as like the meta, because it's not a podcast with me unless we talk meta <laughs> and energetics. So it'll probably be a part one and a part two. So if halfway through this, all of a sudden it cuts out and it goes to the next one, don't worry, the second part is coming out. Um, so Aaron, what's what's your what's your birth story? Do you know your birth story? Um, I know more of like the funny sides of my birth story. <laughs> <laughs> the funny sides. The funny sides. Um, I'm the second born. My sister and I were eight and a half years apart. So there is eight and a half year gap between when my mom gave birth for the first time and gave birth the second time with me. So do you have any other siblings or is it just you two? It's just us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it sounds like I was a really, really big baby. My mom craved like we have this burger like shack sort of place called Big Tom's and she craved Big Tom's all the time. Um, Did she crave like the meat or like the salt? I'm not sure. Fries. The fries, the cheese probably. And they have this like goop sauce, which is delicious. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) But her hormone count was so high that at first they're like, you might have twins in there. Mm. It was just me. It was just me. (laughs) It was just me. I was just, what was your weight? I was eight pounds and 13 ounces. Yeah. Yeah. So the funny side of it was that my mom tried to give a vaginal birth and her grandmother was in the room during this whole time. Vaginal Um, births don't need to be funny, but I know where Erin's going with this. (laughs) And my granny, I guess she came over and she looked at, you know, I think I was trying to crown, like I was trying to come out and my granny looked at my mom and she was like, she ain't coming out of there. And so my mom ended up ended up having to have a C-section birth with me because I just was not. You were already crowning and they took you out? From what I'm aware of. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't really know. But yeah. it sounded like I was not going to come out vaginally at all. Mm. Um, so they did a C-section and my dad, his first words, I love you, dad. <laughs> his first words about me. If you listen me. to this. <laughs> First words were, did you see her head? (laughs) (laughs) Because my head was like smush and crooked to one side. So if you look at like newborn baby photos of me, one, I look like I'm a six month old baby (laughs) and I'm just like swollen, puffy and like red and like my head's tilted to one side. 
Um, <laughs> Sup, y'all? I'm here. I'm here. Baby Welcome. photo. <laughs> and they put like a bow on the other side to try and Stop. even. <laughs> we need to find this photo, and that should be like the podcast picture is like just. Dr. Aaron is a little baby. Oh, I'll have my mom take a photo. It's <laughs> yeah. like hanging in the hallway we'll put still. It on social media. Oh my gosh. Yes, of <laughs> course it is. Of course it's in the hallway. But that's like my comical like 30 second yeah. like birth story. Um, and you know, crooked head and more traumatic birth and all that. Do you know how they brought you out? Like did the, did the surgeon pull you out or was there forceps or vacuum? That's what I'm not sure to be honest. And your mom maybe wouldn't remember. Yeah. I'm not sure if my mom remembers and I, I don't even know if I asked her to be honest, mm. but yeah. It'd be interesting to find out. Mm-hmm. One, I think we say my sense is you're saying it's funny because oftentimes women can go into a birth with an intention of like, all right, I want it to be totally natural at home, no intervention. And then sometimes the universe has another plan, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And Dr. Aaron and I are going to talk about the birth intervention process that often happens in America to really share with you that there are other ways and other paradigms that you can support a birth process that is perhaps more honoring of your body and feel like you're empowered in the process. Cause what we've found is that there can be intervention a little too early because it's based on maybe the doctor's schedule Mm -hmm. and not necessarily your own body's rhythms. Mm -hmm. So anyway, keep going. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I had much else to add other than, you know, when you look at like the development, like my personal development after birth, Mm -hmm as a doctor now and like seeing these sort of things like damn how did I come out this way yeah and I'm like (laughs) what the heck was I doing crawling one-armed like army crawl yeah that's not normal um so there's like little things throughout my development in my childhood where I'm like oh that is probably due to the birth trauma that I had Mm -hmm. a crooked head and all that Um, so it's just really interesting and to obviously like give grace it's okay that I went through that Mm -hmm. I still see things like today kind of show up I'm like oh I think that's a um, primitive reflex that is not integrated yep um because I didn't breastfeed or anything like that Um, you didn't breastfeed at all mm -mm. wow yeah did you go straight to formula or um I went to formula and like soy and all that so Mm. yeah one um you're probably hearing us talk about certain things that can be a manifestation after birth for you listeners. And Dr. Erin, like I said, her and I are going to get into what that can show up as for you to be really Mm -hmm. conscious of how a birth specifically the way that the baby comes out, the way that the mom is treated like C-sections, for example, there can be a lot of pulling and torsion on the upper cervical spine, the upper Mm -hmm. neck. And what people don't realize is like when the uterus contracts, Mm -hmm. Um, the uterus is the strongest muscle of the body, by the way, per square, you know, centimeter or square inch. And when the uterus contracts, it spirals and contracts downward out the vaginal canal. And so when a force comes in and tries to pull a baby out of the stomach, the uterus will actually cr- create an opposite contraction to try to pull the baby back in because it's not now. Na- it's like a vacuum effect mm-hmm. starts to happen. Mm-hmm. So that's where you see, if you ever go down a YouTube rabbit hole, which I'm sure you guys watch this in school. I've been in our pediatrics class and I remember just watching video after video after video and in the ICPA, the pediatrics, you know, chiropractic pediatrics training, just all of these types of births and surgeons twerking and twisting the baby. If you want to 
you know, be cautious if you go down that rabbit hole because some of it you're like, holy shit. Thankfully, babies are so malleable and flexible. Like you said, you Mm -hmm. still adapted and evolved as you did. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things that we're going to share to really pay attention to when it comes to how a birth can be a catalyst for certain neurological development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember watching some of those videos in chiropractic school as well. And it was, it's hard sometimes to watch because you're like, this is just a tiny little baby. Like we worry about holding the head and we're so cautious with babies once they're born. Yeah, that's the first thing they say, like hold the head. Hold the head. But let me torque the head and twist it all around. Mm -hmm. Watching the birth videos, you're like, oh no. So I started following actually (laughs) this, um, I think it's called (laughs) Pain Free Birth. It's an Instagram account. Yeah, I feel like you've mentioned them. Yeah. I'll write that down for you listeners. Yeah, it's a really beautiful um, Instagram Instagram account to show what like natural birth can actually look like, including like water births and catching your own baby. And it's so empowering to Mm -hmm. be able to watch that and see that it doesn't have to be a painful and scary and traumatic sort of experience. One thing that we do talk about is like birth can be very dramatic though. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be traumatic, does but it not can look have to be dramatic. dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I'll get into my birth story too, but I think Um, it's important to mention we are not coming at this podcast to say that if you had anything different than an organic drug-free birth that you're you're bad you're wrong Mm -hmm. you're you know whatever we're not here to shame you and guilt you Um, Dr. Aaron and I just have a lot of training in the holistic model of all things health and so we are here to open up another paradigm because we find with certain clients they didn't even realize that there were other possibilities that you could hire a doula, Mm -hmm. which we have great connections to doulas here in the office, that you could hire a midwife, that you could say no to certain interventions. Um, Unfortunately, the American culture has created birth to be like a diagnosis and like a disease. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's, it's the opposite. It's such a catalyst to like huge creation and, like energetic shifts in your life that does come with pain and energy, but that pain can be, when you learn to really merge with it, can be so fucking empowering. And I also, like we have not given birth, no, right? So we have one paradigm and perspective. Um, Jess can talk more about like what it's like Mm -hmm. to give birth to real humans (laughs) when she comes on at a different time. Um, but we just, I just want to make that caveat and just say like, we're not here to shame you. We're just here to open you up to another paradigm and know that you can feel more empowered in the process because I've seen a lot of people go through medical trauma where they're like, I didn't even know that I could like delay snipping the cord. I didn't even know that I could like move in a different position on the, like on the bed in the hospital. If you choose to give birth at a hospital, um, so I'll back up my my birth story. Or is there anything else you wanted no, to add? Dr. Go for okay. it. Okay. So my birth story, um, from what my parents have shared, was that I was born with a cord wrapped around my neck. I think when before I was born, my mom craved a lot of like pickles with me, mm-hmm. which I think was probably the salt. Yeah. Um, I fucking love salt. <laughs> so that's just interesting. And and when you start to like, if you haven't asked your parents about your birth story, if your parents are still alive, I highly recommend doing that because it can really put together a lot of like pieces to the puzzle. Um, and it can be empowering for mom to even share yeah, that story too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you, you learn a lot that your, your parents potentially went through um, that 
you kind of are just like, holy shit, like how did that even get allowed in like mm-hmm. 1960 or 19, whatever, whenever, you know, you were born, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know why I said 1960. Um, yeah, were you born in 19? <laughs> I, w- I feel like I have lived many lifetimes, Erin, but we'll get into like birth and rebirth and all yes, of that later. Yes. Um, so my mom craved a lot of pickles. My younger brother, who is a year and 10 months younger than me, she craved a lot of um, paper and weird it's the silica yeah so when you're pregnant you need more minerals Mm -hmm. and in um more indigenous tribes pregnant women used to eat clay gotcha and they used to chew on rocks Mm -hmm. and chew on clay of the earth and i distinctly remember this in pediatric training Mm -hmm. and it's like it's a it's a silica thing that the body's craving and i was like wow that's fascinating where other cultures pregnant women will find these rocks and Mm -hmm. chew on them to get the uh, minerals from the earth. And so my mom would chew on paper and spit it out. Um, There were parts of me when I was younger, I craved chalk. Like I wanted to eat chalk. Interesting. But only blue chalk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So like Erin was talking about her kind of like how things evolve. So anyway, I was born with a cord wrapped around my neck. Um, I came out black and blue. The doctors, instead of doing like chest to chest, like connecting with mom right away, which is ideal to support the oxytocin that's released from mom as the birth process is happening, uh, they took me away. You know, eventually I came too, because here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came out like black and blue. I was not breathing, um, just like this discolored baby with the cord wrapped around my neck multiple times. And they undid that, got me breathing. And as soon as I was breathing, my dad took me and like showed me around the entire hospital and was like, look at my daughter. <laughs> and like, so my mom like didn't have that immediately like, connection with me uh, yeah. for, I don't know how long, but my dad was just like so proud and just like walked me around. But what's interesting is there's baby pictures of me side by side with Michael <laughs> and Michael is sleeping in all of them. Like he's just fucking out. Right. <laughs> and the joke is that Michael slept for like the first two weeks of his life. Wow. Like unless he just got up to, he probably didn't even open his eyes to like eat, to like suck the nipple. <laughs> it's just like, meh. and in all of mine, my neck is like up and my eyes are like wide. And now with pediatric training, I understand I was probably in a state of like high sympathetic yeah, tone. Absolutely. Because babies should not like newborns should not be able to hold their head up like that. Right. Because the muscle development hasn't happened yet. And so here I am like, holy fuck, like the cord was wrapped around my neck. And you can see it where my eyes are just wide. And my, you know, great aunt was like, yeah, you came out like guns blazing and eyes open and ready to take on the world. So that's been like the joke mm-hmm. of, of the family is that like, I was just ready for the world. I was like, bro, I was fucking probably like, holy shit, someone help me. Like someone check yeah. my ass. Like what just happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> and who knows i was comfy in the belly <laughs> and then <laughs> something happened you motherfuckers took me yeah. out man now i don't know where i am yeah. <laughs> well and who knows like how babies or why mm. like the cord can get so wrapped around you know through a lot of movement or i've even heard sometimes this has no i don't know if this has any scientific backing maybe you know this dr aaron but what they found is if a baby is in distress in the womb, sometimes they will actually go into like uh, cutting off oxygen themselves mm-hmm. and wrap the cord around themselves mm-hmm. to kind of like get a high of less oxygen. Now I have no idea, like we don't have a fact checker, but that's just like a theory people have of like why 
how can the baby get so wrapped up in the cord? Right. You know, I don't know if you've heard anything like that. No, I mean, we've talked about that before. Your body is innate and baby inside body is also very innate, very smart with adaptation. So I wouldn't be surprised if like that's actually factual. Just getting high in the womb, man. Getting high in the womb. (laughs) It's interesting too, when I hear like the stories of my childhood, even when I was a baby, I wasn't necessarily from my understanding, like wide and alert, but I would cry so much. And if like anyone were to look at me, I would start crying. Like I just wanted to be with mom. Like I didn't feel safe around anyone else, but my grandma, I love food. (laughs) And and my grandma found the way to my heart was via food. So I don't know how old I was. I was old enough to be able to look at her, recognize who she was and know that she was going to come and feed me. So I'd start licking my lips. Mm, Interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But there are like pictures of me like screaming and crying on like Mm. my granny's lap and just like going to grocery stores. Sweet old people would come and like be like, oh, she's so cute. Mm -hmm. And then my mom's like, please don't, please don't. And I would just start like bursting out and like tears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, learned pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to like hear that. And when I tell people that today, they're like, that doesn't make sense because you're so like bubbly and out yeah. there and like social. You're like inside, I'm crying. <laughs> I am. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's it's interesting yep. to, to know like those sort of stories and to look at it in like a brain sort of lens. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why we wanted to talk about this today because, you know, your birth and how you came into the world and your childhood when your brain is so much more of a sponge mm-hmm can really start to dictate and determine how you evolve as a human being. Mm -hmm. What's great about the brain is there's neuroplasticity. So Dr. Aaron and I are going to get into what can a typical medical intervention look like in birth and then how can that become more of a cascade into early adolescence and even into adulthood and things to start to look at when it comes to your livelihood Mm -hmm. and yes like these patterns can go back to birth thankfully what i found is the brain loves to grow the brain wants to heal the body wants to heal so oftentimes it doesn't take 30 years Mm -mm. for you to heal um, but it does take work and effort and consciousness so yeah let's get into the birth intervention process from a medical side yes Uh, Well, (laughs) one thing I would like to add to, I saw a recent study, I couldn't tell you the actual numbers and I didn't write it down, but it was talking about the fact that if you have an induced birth, it doesn't actually limit your possibility of medical interventions throughout actual labor and birth later on. So I do want to make that point that sometimes going into like an induced birth isn't always the best option. Mm -hmm. An induction, when we say induction, What's happening is oftentimes a fake, not fake, but a medical or pharmaceutical version of oxytocin Mm -hmm. Um, because oxytocin, a hormone that rises as women are about to give birth is what allows for the contractions Mm -hmm. of the uterus to start to happen Mm -hmm. when the, so there's different paradigms here, right? And if you haven't listened to future or previous episodes or future episodes, few time travel. (laughs) Um, If you haven't listened to previous episodes, I talk about different paradigms of health and healing. Mm -hmm. So again, this is not to make the medical paradigm wrong. It's just one paradigm that oftentimes goes 
in contrast to your body's natural Mm -hmm. rhythms. So Pitocin will often be the first intervention used Mm -hmm. if your contractions are not moving along a pace that perhaps the hospital or the doctor or the nurses want it to go. Because, I mean, I've, I've seen women be in labor for days and give a totally fine vaginal birth. Mm-hmm. However, if you're in a hospital and you're occupying a bed, then that means that that bed is not being used for other things mm-hmm. when it comes to other patients. And I'm not going to go down the dark rabbit hole of that right now. But but we can talk about that later, too. We can talk about in, that later. In other another sense. Yep. In the absolutely. Death sense. <laughs> yeah. In the death sense, right? Like <laughs> bed occupancy and mm-hmm. it's expensive. It is expensive mm-hmm. for, and it, it requires a lot of energy for you to occupy a bed in a hospital. I mean, I think one night in hospital can range anywhere from like, depending on what the interventions are, anywhere from 500 to like $2,000 a night, mm-hmm. yep. um, depending on what it is. And I don't know if you have anything to add on to that, but yeah. Um, and sometimes we think that baby has to come out on certain day on the due date, right? Yes. Um, that, oh yeah. Thank you for and, mentioning that. And we use the language in the office of guest date because that's all that that is. Mm-hmm. It's not like a microwave and baby's going to be ready at <laughs> this time. In 39 day. seconds. No, baby's going to be ready when baby's ready. So and mom can healthfully carry up to 42, 43 40. weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think once people get into that, there's such a stigma of like for if you go over 40 weeks, all of a sudden like this bad shit's gonna happen when in reality, when baby can stay healthfully in the uterus, you're really getting beautiful refinement in the development process for baby. Absolutely. So that can be the first intervention is, speeding up contractions with Pitocin and induction. So if you hear the word, oh, I have to be induced, or people talk talk about being induced, that's oftentimes what's happening. Now, because oxytocin works in a wave-like fashion, Pitocin does not necessarily work in that fashion because it's just kind of injected into your body, and it's this rush versus your body will often pulse mm-hmm. in your system. So when we get that rush of Pitocin, the uterus starts to go into almost hyper contraction at times, but you haven't dilated enough, Mm -hmm. right? So the uterus is contracting as though you're 10 centimeters dilated, but you're only two centimeters dilated. So what often happens is there can be more Pitocin added to the system to try to speed up that process when in reality, the, um, you know, the opening of the cervix and the dilation is a process that is supposed to happen over time to support the vag- the health of the vagina, right? The health of the cervix to, because I mean, that tissue in and of itself is mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. But what will happen is if the contractions are happening too fast in more of a medical setting, then sometimes like episiotomies happen. Um, there's vaginal tearing, which that in and of itself can create a whole myriad of issues down the road for women when it comes to their sex drive, um, vulva trauma, um, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And even for natural births, it can still happen Absolutely. so fast. Yeah. Like you have to learn how to like, all right, let's slow down the contractions yep. so we aren't having those sort of vaginal tears or anything as well. Yep. So whether you're having like the medical intervention or natural 
just things to be aware of yeah, too. That's actually a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you're early on in the dilation and you feel a contraction, it doesn't necessarily mean your body's ready to push. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's the power when you're really connected to your body you will you will know when to like feel into the energy of the contraction as your body is like dilating more and then you'll also know the difference of like oh i'm supposed to push this mm-hmm. time not every contraction means you have to push and in fact midwives and doulas mm-hmm. will really prompt you to be aware of that um which is why they teach i think a lot of the hypnobirthing classes and just being really connected to your your pelvis and your body and almost going into a trans like state with the pain and contractions so that when you're connected, you know, okay, like my vulva is dilated enough where now with the next contraction, it's, it's more of a push and a bearing down Mm -hmm. versus like the baby has to start to make its way down, right? Like as it's making its way down, there's a timing and a rhythm versus like, oh, contraction push. It's like, got to trust that process. And if it's your first time giving birth to, I mean, you've never gone through this before yeah. and it can be stressful, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm speaking not like I've ever done this, but I can we've just imagine. It. Yeah. Yep. So we've studied it and I can imagine how stressful it could be for a first time mom. So to have a plan and to know what to expect and working with someone like a midlife midwife or a doula mm-hmm. can just empower you to know, okay, like this is normal. This is what I do next yep. and help you through that process. So you aren't like, ah, everything's mm-hmm. happening so fast. And then like not feeling empowered on what to do next. Yeah. And that's like, you can think of um, doulas and midwives are more of the holistic practitioners of this world who can really support you in trusting your body. And they have great medical knowledge. They have great knowledge of physiology and mm-hmm the phases of birth. Um, so we'll, we'll drop some people in the show notes. I specifically know Gina birth here in the twin cities. They're mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Lindsay, who we know she's an amazing doula. <clears throat> so we can drop some in the show notes, but something I wanted to mention too, is when the Pitocin in the medical setting is happening, oftentimes that can create like the hyper contraction of mm-hmm. the uterus and that can cause a lot of pain. Yes. A lot of pain. And what will often happen next is when the pain is too much and the mom can't handle it, then we move into the epidural space. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about epidurals at all? Mm, um, did I, your mom, did your mom get an epidural? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine with a C-section. Yeah. Well, and I know epidurals too can be one of those things. Like my sister, she went through three different births and it can be so intense and painful when you're having like those hyper contractions, like you're talking about that you want nothing more than for the pain to go away in that moment. Yeah. Like no one wants to be in that intense of pain. Yeah. It could probably be the, the pain, the worst pain or the most, I don't want to say the worst, but like the most intense pain you've ever felt in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't stretched your edges and it comes to pain consciousness, mm-hmm. like that level of, plus you're thinking about, okay, there's a human life here. Like, let's just fucking get this over with, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you lean into the space of doing an epidural. Yeah. And sometimes epidurals work and sometimes they don't for the mom too when it comes to pain. So oh yeah, I've had many clients like mm-hmm. they come in and like, yeah, I had an epidural, but I didn't do anything. Yep. So it'll be like another one, mm-hmm. but you can only do so many spinal taps. Yes. And there's like a point where you can't do them anymore. Right. Like in yep. the birth process as well. If you're too far along, then it's too late for an epidural. Yeah. So that's why also going in with like a plan of do you want one or do you not yep. um, is really beneficial too to... Yep have you feel supported because 
I can imagine being at the stage where I'm like, please give me an epidural and they tell me no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've all probably experienced a level of pain. We were like, holy shit. I mean, I remember just like, yeah, playing rugby and mm-hmm. getting injured. Like there's, we all have a different pain threshold yes. that puts us into action mm-hmm. or not action. Yeah. Um, and if, for those of you who aren't familiar with an epidural, essentially it's, it's a needle that goes into your spinal cord that numbs out kind of the lower half of your body. Um, from a nervous system perspective. So oftentimes what will happen with an epidural is like you can still feel the contractions and the energy a little bit, but it's uh, it's dulled out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you're almost observing it. Again, I haven't been there, but the explanation and studies I've done, you're a little disconnected because you can't then feel the contractions as much. You can't actually feel your body as much because it's literally numbing you and it's called epidural because it goes into the dura uh essentially layer of mm-hmm. the spinal cord yeah it's different layers of the spinal cord mm-hmm. it's kind of fun uh <laughs> the actual epidural every time i think of one you have it's your cauda equina yes so your spinal cord comes down and it kind of comes to like a final point and then you have all like the nerves mm-hmm. kind of looks like, like a, a horse horse's tail, tail. That's, that's why it's called cauda yeah equina yep equina <laughs> But it's kind of cool because, I mean, when you do the epidural, if it's done in, like, the right location, then all the cotoquina nerves, like, swim away. So that's what I have, like, a visual image mm-hmm. of whenever I think of one. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Like, medicine is, I mean, the fact that we can tap into the spinal cord but not mm-hmm. cause, well, I'm sure there's, you know, sometimes consequences that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty wild what we can do. Mm-hmm. So then... Epidural often happens. So that's, this is kind of the natural cascade that can, not the natural cascade. And we don't say this to cause fear in your system. We're just sharing what is often the intervention process that can happen when interve- when intervention comes in. Um, so you have Pitocin, have the epidural, and sometimes that body's a little bit, mom is less consciously connected to those mm-hmm. contractions, to that awareness of her body. Perhaps things, uh, the dilation doesn't happen as much. Um, contractions start to do their own thing. And if it's not progressing in, in the way that they deem, you know, I don't, I don't know how long you can actually stay in a hospital. I don't think they like you to stay longer than a day usually. I mean, some women have to stay in for multiple days depending on like C-section and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people nowadays are planning C-sections mm-hmm. because it works better for their busy, <laughs> busy right. American lifestyle. And we'll get in, we're talking about <laughs> like the traditional, you know, American process, um, tangent on this, you know, birth in and of itself, the way that, I mean, one, women have been giving birth for thousands of like eons of time mm-hmm. and that's why we are here mm-hmm. as a human species. And they've done it for a long time mm-hmm. without any sort of intervention. Mm-hmm. Now, do people die in the birth process? 100%. Yes. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about death too. But um, we used to do a lot of birth in community. Mm-hmm. The community would, and there's still ways that you can do this, right? If you give, if you choose to give birth in like a birthing center or at home, um, you have a team and you have a community and you have a tribe around you where when you need, when you need food, um, you know, they can bring you food. If you need to rest, if you need to change position, if, you know, you, you need to put on music, like there's a whole tribe helping you 
Whereas in the medical setting, sometimes it doesn't always feel that way, right? Like people are in and out of your room. They're coming and checking your blood pressure. Like there's just all these things that they're doing. And unless you are able to bring someone in the room with you, which a lot of people were not able to during like COVID mm -hmm. times, that can feel and create an energy of doing it alone. Mm -hmm. And that isn't necessarily how the birth process was designed organically. So we used to give birth in tribe. We used to give birth with community and have that support. And in a different medical setting, it just can look very isolating. Um, and oftentimes, you know, the doctors are very busy in the medical system, yeah, right? Absolutely. And a birth can sometimes take hours to, to days to deliver. And that can go against our American culture of like, just have the baby and like get back to your life. Mm -hmm when your whole identity and your whole body is going to be completely different. Mm -hmm. And so being able to like slow down and go into such a beautiful process of like delivering a human life onto the planet, in my opinion, in that setting, isn't always honored as what I believe the body intends it to be. And I think you said it earlier too, that birth is sometimes treated like a disease. Mm -hmm. And hospitals and the medical interventions are there to treat disease mm -hmm. and when you go into like a sterile environment with these bright fluorescent lights and everything it's anything but feeling like life yeah connected to nature mm -hmm. it's okay let's get you treated let's get this baby out let's get you out of here if we can give you medication then great yeah. and just support you through that process um but it isn't always the most um, empowering sort of process or is it actually giving life to you or the baby yeah. in my opinion um, so people can take that as they wish but realistically even with the positioning of birth you aren't supposed to be laying on your <laughs> yeah, back let's talk about that yeah like that just it makes me mad to be honest so um, when you lay on your back if you don't know this fact this is fact look it up when you when women lay on their back and if you're on YouTube, put your <laughs> legs up in these fucking stirrups that closes off your pelvic mm -hmm. floor and your cavity that the baby is coming through the, the pelvis and the pubic bone anywhere from 20 to 40%. Mm -hmm. But what it allows for is for the doctors and the nurses to be in more control of your body. Mm -hmm. So this is something too, that if you're going to choose to go in a, into a hospital, your choice is your own ask them and have a midwife or doula to advocate for you. Like, am I allowed to move around the room? Am I yes. allowed to move on the bed? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yes. keep going. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was like, you know, do you ever take a poop laying on your back? Imagine, imagine how that would work. I mean, uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want to. I don't want to compare suck. a baby to poop, but like, let's think about Deep where squat. it's coming from yep. and the process of gravity. Yep, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But we also <laughs> have to. A lot of this, if you go back uh, and look at the, um, you know, medical system, and you look at the evolution of healthcare, you have to look at people who created these systems and were involved in the process. Um, and, you know, the doctors and nurses don't want to be liable, like, if anything bad happens. So that can be where some of these positioning things have happened and putting you in stirrups and all. I don't know if stirrups happen nowadays. It seems a little, I don't know, 
women like being held down. It's fucking weird. Look it up. It's the history. Look, mm -hmm. look up the history of the medical system. I remember taking a class in undergrad, like history of, um, you know, medicine. It was very fascinating, but yes, when it comes to birthing anything, you have to be able to change your body and move, mm -hmm. whether it's a baby or working on a project, but specifically we're talking about physical birthing. And there are so many different positions that again, a midwife or a doula can really empower you in, whether it's deep squats on all fours, mm -hmm. standing in like a warrior position. Um, sometimes for women, they do get to a point where on the back makes the most sense mm -hmm. or even on your side. Mm -hmm. So just know that you are allowed to move. And in fact, movement in labor, when you are in labor, movement is a really powerful thing that can support that process. And you just reminded me of another thing. When it comes to your environment, we want mom to be calm and relaxed and in a parasympathetic state to allow the opening of the uterus and the opening of the vulva and like being able to breathe deeply. When you go into a setting that's like high pace, maybe lots of sounds and noises and fluorescent lights, what that can do is stimulate your sympathetic nervous system, which can slow down motility of you know the uterus the contraction the birth process put your muscles into a state of defense put your posture into a state of defense put your mind into a state of defense where all of a sudden every thought you're having is like am i going to be okay is the baby going to be okay and that neurologically can also like if you think of birth is like opening of vessels and like opening of energy and in order for us to be open and receiving and allow something to come through our body this goes for menstruation as well you have to be able to like surrender to the process and be in totally like a parasympathetic state yeah well and your nervous system state will translate to the baby's nervous system state yes. if you're feeling stressed then the baby's gonna say oh my environment is not safe enough to come out right now and then that leads us into... Yeah, why the fuck would the baby want to leave this, like, beautiful little <laughs> yeah. warm liquid? It's like, that's fucking crazy out there. I'm staying in here. It's a little too chaotic. And then <laughs> my guess is that that's when you start seeing baby being pulled out. Because baby isn't naturally ready, right? right? They're like, uh, I feel like maybe I should stay because mom feels a little stressed. The whole environment seems a little loud and a little scary. It doesn't seem anything but welcoming. Mm -hmm. So maybe I hold on tight a little bit longer. And then we have intervention saying, no, you need to come out right now. Yep. And then that's when you see like the twisting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if baby's not coming through the canal because they've moved and they put themselves in a protective positioning, mm -hmm. um, my sister, love you sis, uh, she tried to come out, but first she said, no, oh, damn, <laughs> I'm sitting. <laughs> We're not coming out yet. Like holding on to the uterus. Yeah, like, like no. please, please, no, no, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not ready. <laughs> was your sister vaginal or? No, she was C-section as well. Yeah. So just with that being said, it's like, okay, if baby's not in the correct position, why is that? Yep. Rather than saying we need to now do a cesarean. Yes. Unless it's like baby's actually at risk, you know, which, which happens. Yes, absolutely. Because they're also kind of like what you're saying, maybe they are recognizing it's not safe enough and maybe I need to do a little intervention myself inside yeah. of here. Asphyxiation. <laughs> um, Sorry, that's not funny, but. <laughs> well, you know, we can laugh at some dark humor sometimes. Yeah. I think that's important. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've gotten, I've gotten better at laughing at dark humor, which relates to our other part of the podcast, death, which we'll get into soon. Um, Donnie. Donnie Epstein always says, the closer to soul you are, the funnier life gets. 
I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. Like people have had near death experiences. You embrace the death of something physically, emotionally, spiritually. You're like, okay, I've faced my darkness and I came out the other side. Like, how can I be playful with this? Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not saying like mom and baby should die. Like, that's not what I'm saying. However, as Dr. Aaron was saying, um, even in a holistic, if you choose to go a non-intervention route, midwives and doulas know the point of, all right, yes, we got to call an ambulance. Yes. Um, and they, they know that very well. So just because you choose people on your team in a more holistic fashion, they also know, hey, baby's at risk, mom's at risk. And they'll, they'll stretch it to an edge because yeah. they're listening to what you want. Like, they're like, hey, you make the call. Mm-hmm. But eventually they'll be like, hey, you know, baby's heart rate's dropping. Or I, I've just had friends go through that. Um, and that, you know, it ha- everything happens for a reason, Absolutely. right? And to those of you who have had a, sec- a C-section, you know, VBACs are becoming more of a possibility, right? Which stands for vaginal birth after cesarean. Mm-hmm. So the common wisdom, or not common wisdom, but like the common culture would say, oh, you've had a VBAC, the chances of you having a vaginal birth is like, or you've had a C-section, mm-hmm the chances of you having a vaginal birth, like don't even go there, you know, don't even do that. And I know people who have done it, but it just, it just took a different approach. It took a different paradigm going into it and they've successfully done it. Um, Just because uh, with a C-section, you know, it is a pretty intense surgery. Um, They're cutting open your stomach, they're cutting open your uterus. And so uterine scarring becomes a thing and they get more concerned, like if you go into more of a natural process, is that going to interfere with that process based on the structure and function of the uterus? Which is why Dr. Aaron and I really recommend having people on your team, not only midwives or doulas, but also pediatric chiropractors who can really support you before you even get pregnant, right? Like is your body in a state and has a level of fertile energy to support a human life absolutely and that comes down to spine and nervous system function what you're taking in when it comes to your your body your nutrition um supplementation even relationship wise and energetic wise like i know so i've seen a lot of people who they want to get pregnant they want to get pregnant they want to get pregnant but yet you know, their relationship is not at a point that would actually support that. And there's maybe a fear of like addressing that. Or even I've seen people where they're focusing on welcoming a human life. They move houses and in the moving of to a different environment, they get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's just like things like that, that having people on your team who see the whole picture can be really supportive in the entire process from you know, pre-pregnancy all the way to the fourth trimester of helping your body also, you know, take time to come back to a different state. I don't want to say a normal state because your body's going to be different. Like once you give birth, your body will be different. And I think there's so much pressure on women to go back to looking like they were 20 again. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like your uterus fucking expanded to hold a human life and has, is now moving back and contracting. I mean, there's uterine prolapse. There's all these things that can happen. Um, but really honoring this new chapter that you're moving into and having people on your team to support you in this rebirth of yourself can be really, really vital from a mental health perspective, right? Because the rates of postpartum depression are rising. And yeah, 
And instead of like actually diving into the death of who you were before having a new baby into the rebirth of who you are now, which is a beautiful like mom, Mm -hmm. which is one of like the greatest gifts, right? Um, We can't just mask all those symptoms of who you were before and who you have to become now. Mm -hmm. Um, So supporting women through that and that even like starts with just the body. And Mm -hmm. this is a massive surgery that you go through if you have a cesarean and women aren't usually given even like PT or pelvic yeah. floor exercises. Yes. Like it's not treated like it's a major surgery. They're no. like, great, you just had a baby. See you later. Um, Is your scar down? Okay, great. Awesome. But we aren't actually <laughs> like supporting the rehab yeah. of the body. It's gone through a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that you can do to support your body coming back to a more natural state, um, recovering from that whole event whether it's traumatic or dramatic whichever um so just to see more of that and I think if women are able to actually connect to the healing process of their body then they can connect more emotionally yes to this next stage yeah but we just become so disconnected and it's it's different but we don't know how to be within that difference and then we see the cascade of postpartum yep and some, I think a lot of it too, we'll get, now we're going to transition to maybe as you alluded to beautifully, Dr. Aaron, like the, the death process, um, and how, when you give birth, there's a part of you simultaneously that is dying mm-hmm. because you're literally bringing a human life into the world. And the part of you before that, that didn't create something like your whole identity changes Mm -hmm. and that's where I think we have some gaps in the culture is one just this pedestaling of like I'm a woman and I can do it all and I'm not I'm not I don't consider myself like a feminist like I'm all about women's empowerment but I think there's been a like a a swing a swan like a pendulum that's happened where we've wanted like so much independence and I'm all about that like trust me like look at who I am and at the same time sometimes I think there's a fear of asking for support Mm -hmm. because this goes back to living in community where if we're just isolated and let's say parent other parent has to go back to work then you're just there you and the baby and there's this like lack of energetic support and Mm -hmm. part of us has like a huge part of us, our identity has died. And there's this like new identity of it's like, holy shit, now I have this little creation in the world. Who am I now? Yeah. Right? Um, we'll kind of transition from like the birthing process into like death, which I don't know how to do this, but. <laughs> death is the completion of circle of life. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. Birth is the start and death is the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll go into, um, so we want to talk about the dying process in our culture from like a physical perspective, but also want to talk about more the, the meta perspectives of like birth and death, not from like physical perspective. Um, we usually like to keep these podcasts from like 45 minutes to an hour. So perhaps, I don't know, should we wrap this one up and we can wrap this one up yeah because yeah. I feel like once we start getting 
we're like on the cusp of meta. <laughs> yeah, we're on the cusp of meta. Um, so in the next episode, which will be released after this one, part two, we're going to be talking about now the death process in America and the world. <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. And then we're also going to be getting into more metaphysical concepts of birth, death, and rebirth. But we really wanted to mm-hmm. bring in the birth process because that's something we focus on so much at Inspire Life mm-hmm. and it, with our clients. So I guess, is there anything anything else, Dr. Erin, you want to add when it comes to like the birth process and fourth trimester? I just want to say we love you and we support you all. So don't feel shame with however your birth looked or um, how the birth process is looking if you are currently pregnant. Um, But if you need support, like reach out to us. If you want to know about other options, we would love to help you feel more informed going into such a big life transition. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. It should be exciting. It shouldn't be scary by any means. It doesn't have to be scary. It can be so... I mean, I've worked with women in the office who are just like, man, this was like one of the most empowering processes. Like, yes, I dealt with pain. Yes, I dealt with emotions. Mm -hmm. But it was so empowering to know that my body is like doing this on its own, which is so fucking cool. It's amazing. Like, you don't have to think about, hey, baby, make your fingernails now. Like, baby just does it. (laughs) Make your nervous system, which, by the way, baby's nervous system is the first system to form in the womb. And that's why, like, we love to care for mamas because your nervous system flow is going to directly affect baby's growth and baby's development of their nervous system. And especially, like, while you're actually, like going through your whole pregnancy, your pelvis and sacrum change so much and the ligaments become more relaxed because of the change of hormones in your body. Relaxing. You can thank relaxing for that. Whoop, whoop. Um, So just to make (laughs) sure that you're in like alignment and the passage is correct for the baby and the nervous system flow is correct, not just for the development, but also for like the power to actually give birth. Yes. It's so important. So yeah, it's a marathon. Like when you go into labor, uh you you want to feel strong in your body. Mm-hmm. So if you need nervous system support, let us know. Or if you're in like a different area, I know people are listening to this podcast from all over the place. If we can help you find someone yes. who's trained in pediatric and perinatal care, let us know. Yep, We're you just here to help. <laughs> got lots of connections. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that in, Dr. Erin, because we, we love caring for like all parts of the pregnancy journey, all parts of the birth journey. And as Dr. Erin said beautifully, like your spine and nervous system are directly correlated to your adaptability in that entire process and feeling strong, feeling empowered, and also just physically creating enough space in your pelvis for baby to grow and be in an ideal optimal position. Mm-hmm. And I know tons of moms where we I've cared for them before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and after, and they say their child is more adaptive, their child is more resilient, mm-hmm. and um, they just hit those milestones with much more ease. So chiropractic is a very powerful way to support your innate healing abilities, and it can be a very gentle process. It's not it's not aggressive. It doesn't have to be scary, but it can be very empowering. So, so we can drop the link for like ICPA and like yes. Webster certified doctors. Yep which Webster is like the um, technique, technique that we use to actually adjust um, pregnant women. Something I forgot to mention, um, for any of you who 
choose to work with a chiropractor, at least on our team, something that I offer is once you get into the birth stage where baby actually comes, um, I always gift a gifted session to you and baby after birth because sometimes you're you're nested and really should just be with baby mm-hmm. and I'll do house calls. Um, so I don't know if Dr. Aaron offers that as well. Yes, I do. Yeah, we want to really support you and have baby have like the first beautiful experience of life and help their nervous system be as adaptable as possible. So with that, this is our birth part one of birth, death, and rebirth episode. And stay tuned for the next one. We will make sure to drop in all the things we mentioned in the show notes, um, the people that we know, and just reach out to us, message us on Instagram. Um, I'm Dr. Mel Krug. Aaron is Dr. Aaron Thomas. We are here to support you and really guiding you in reclaiming your power, inviting you to pursue your purpose, and ultimately inviting you to play all out in life. This is Dr. Mel with Project Linus. Dr. Aaron. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining the Project Linus podcast. Did you find value in today's episode? Help us impact the lives of others by sharing this podcast with someone you know who would resonate and benefit from the Project Linus message. Excited to hear more? We invite you to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in on. And we'd be so grateful for you to leave us a review about what you enjoy most, as well as what you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for all of your support. Sincerely yours in power, purpose, and play. Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. Keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring.